Ministry Catalyst Podcast. www.worshipministrycatalyst.com. Worship Ministry Catalyst is a networking resource for all worship leaders and worship team members, serving as a catalyst to facilitate worship in the local church. David Lindner and Kevin Cruz. Well, hello, everyone. Hello. Welcome to another rendition, if you will. <laughs> rendition? Another episode of I, the Worship Ministry Catalyst podcast. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if rendition is the uh, the right word there. Yeah. Um, it's because it's like you're, if it's a rendition, you're doing the same thing in a different way, right? Well, and and I guess in essence that kind of has been all of our our pod. <laughs> Every podcast is the same thing, just a little different. So okay, same thing in a different way. I don't I don't even think that's a a, a logical sentence. Can you do the same thing in a different way? Sure, it's a re- it's a rendition. That's great. Okay, I take it all back. We're doing we're doing a rendition. Yeah. So uh, welcome here. We're uh, we're getting really close. To actually. We're going to hit that 150 mark here in just a couple episodes. Woo! So um, this episode 148, 148 episodes. The next two episodes are going to be with uh, Miss Catherine Scott. So you want to make sure that you check those out coming up in the near future. Yeah, I'm, but, I'm uh, excited about that, yeah, by the too. way. Yeah, me too. I was listening to some of her stuff last night. Oh, I, I'll, I'll tell you, um, I, I was telling uh, uh, Mike and Phil uh, at, at our church, Laurelwood Pastor Mike and Phil, the youth pastor, and... You know, I was like that that hungry album that came out in '95 or whenever mm-hmm. it was uh, Vineyard, like that that was one of the transformational albums for me, just personally, mm-hmm. like like in, in my uh, musical and spiritual and worship development, you right. know. And 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 Catherine Scott was huge on that album. Obviously, yeah. Hungry, you know, right. she <laughs> she wrote that, <laughs> and 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 the whole album's great. I mean, it's, it still is a great album in my in my opinion. Yeah, it's it's. Well, I think it just, you know, kind of was one of those catalyst albums that really opened a door and worship. I mean, it's a lot of what Vineyard did early on. They were, they were really kind of pushing the envelope and, um, yeah, I was just listening to, you know, of course, one of my favorites with her was on that Paul Balash, uh, album where she did your name with, uh, Paul Balash. Yeah. Your name is a strong and mighty tower. Mm. And, and then, uh, but then I belong on uh, on another album. I thought was a great one. Anyway, just lots of lots of great songs. It'll be a great interview coming up. Uh, we're talking about one. It was spend one one episode on worship leading, one episode on songwriting. So you want to make sure you come back and check those out in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, but but today, today <laughs> I was just adjusting levels a little bit. Today we're talking um, first about. Football, right? Oh no, we don't nah. have to. We don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have have wait. So first of all, let's back. Have we even recorded or met since the 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 Buckeyes Ducks game? Nope. The oh, last man. episode we recorded was the pre the, the special. Yeah. Oh boy. 
So but we don't have to talk about that if you don't yeah, want to. Yeah, no, you know, I mean, we we can talk briefly. Here's the long and the short. I, I have two teams that I root for. I have a college football team. I felt team. bad for you on Sunday, by the way. I have a college football team, the Oregon Ducks, um, who made it to the national championship game. And I have a, a pro football team, the Seattle Seahawks, who made it to the Super Bowl. And both my teams <laughs> made it to the championship game, mm-hmm. and both my teams fell short. Yeah, but both of them closely short. Like No, well, the, the Ducks game, I got to tell you, man, Ohio... Like they they played a great game, man. Urban Meyer, like I think he just out coached Mark Helfer. That's what it comes down to. I mean, using a third string quarterback, and he found everything to do right. Mm-hmm. Urban Myers, man, he's 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 legend. He's yeah. he's money, especially now after that. I mean, after that, you know, yeah, I think yeah. it validates any any question about you know uh, Urban Meyer being a a good coach or not. I mean that that just validates right. it. And and I, I mean I think Oregon had a shot like Oregon was in it but I think Oregon was in it through the whole game. Yeah, no, they they were in it for I think the majority of the game, but around the fourth quarter, like it became obvious that it was it was the Buckeyes right. game. They, but you know what? Some of my some of my other friends who were Ducks fans were talking about. Well, you know, let's just run it up the score. They shouldn't have just scored that last touchdown, right? But then, but then, but what then. my argument was, it's Oregon. <laughs> I know. I mean, like it, they can score like like they did in the, their first their first possession of the second half. They scored in ten seconds. Yeah, I'm like it's Oregon. You never know what's going to happen. And then the thing that put the put the icing on the cake for that argument was Seattle's comeback and the championship game, the NFC championship game. Yeah, it's like that's exactly why you score that last touchdown because there's still twenty seconds but, left. Okay, okay, but they could have taken a knee. Like you know, what I mean, they could have. They didn't have to score. But didn't I think Oregon still had a couple timeouts? And... I think they had two timeouts, but they could have taken three knees. And I think, I think the well, I, I'd have to go and check. I think the clock would have hit zero. Although maybe there would have been ten seconds left. I I don't know. I can't remember. You just never know what's going to happen. You never know. You never know. So anyway, yeah, it, it was a it was a tough loss for you know for an Oregon Ducks fan, but mm-hmm. I mean all the credit for the Buckeyes. They played a phenomenal game, absolutely phenomenal game. I, yeah, I wasn't expecting it, so it was just like you know after we won after we won the Big Ten championship game, everything else was just icing on the. Well, you had a lot of icing. You yeah. you, know, you beat Alabama, <laughs> which no one thought, right. and then you beat Oregon, yeah. which Oregon was the hev- heavily favored. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, I- anyway, so it, you know, I, like I was I was disappointed after the Ducks lost, but you know, I said, hey, it was a great season. Mm-hmm. You know, the Ducks are the number two team in the nation, and now I'm saying the same thing about the Seahawks. <laughs> I was very disappointed after yeah. they lost the Super Bowl, but hey. The Seahawks are the number two team mm-hmm. in in professional football. Um, yeah, and I th- I think I saw you post on Facebook about it. We talked about it the day after at our staff meeting. I I just said it's not a bad call. It wasn't a bad call. Uh, yeah, because w- what did everyone say after Marshawn Lynch ran for six yards and got it down to the one? He's going to run it in. Yeah, they're yeah. going to give it to him on the next play. So of course, you know, if you're thinking strategically, it's not a bad idea to do the exact opposite. opposite yeah. So. And and you know what it comes down to is is uh, uh, the Patriots defender Butler, um, I think is his name, made an incredible play that on was that a, ball. It was a perfectly defended play. That's what happened. It yeah. wasn't that it was a bad call. It's that that well, he said he had a vision. Did you hear hear that interview? No. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he said. Um, I think he was talking about before the game. He had a vision before the game that he was going to make a big play to save the game. Well, it's easy to say that yeah, after you've made yeah, the big play. Right. <laughs> 
No, and anyway, y- y- you know, um, you know, and 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 that's the thing. Like, like I I I don't think it was a, a horrible um, call. Um, I mean, it, it certainly is a curious call. Um, you know, and and obviously everyone you know has been kind of giving Pete Carroll and Daryl Bevel and even Russell Wilson you know a hard time. You know, why throw it? Why not give it to Marshawn Lynch? And 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 I get it. Mm-hmm. Like. I, you know, I mean, I, I asked myself the same question, but, you know, here here's an interesting statistic uh, I, I was I was looking or I saw online. So this season, Marshawn Lynch from the one yard line is one of five. Hmm. So, you know, what maybe I mean? they knew that. Maybe that's why. Well, and that's the thing. So everyone's <laughs> like, give it to Lynch, give it to Lynch. But his at least this season. He's only made it one time, 20% of the time. Well, it's really hard to run it in on the one-yard line when you're running right up the gut like yeah. like they like to do with Marshawn Lynch. And it's especially hard when you're in a Super Bowl uh, situation with, and it's close, all the way, like it was a good matchup for that whole game. It was. So like, obviously it was, it was a well, you know, a well-balanced Super Bowl fight. And so it's going to be hard to run it in at the one. So yeah. I, I don't question the call. Yeah, and and that's the thing. Like, it's so easy in hindsight to step back and like all all of us, you know, we're all looking at it, saying like, "How could you have done that?" But when you're in that moment mm-hmm. and you literally have thirty seconds to to make a play call, mm-hmm. and you know, it's like, well, and if he if he has if he gives the ball to Lynch twice and they and he doesn't run it in, everyone's, game over. Why didn't you give it to Wilson? Why didn't you let Wilson try to right. throw it in? Right. <laughs> yeah, and 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 that's it. Like you can you can always question mm-hmm. something after the fact and and you know, so while there's a sense I say, you know, boy, he should have given the ball to Marshawn Lynch. There's also a sense where I understand what he was doing. Like in the one on one hand, I think he was trying to keep New England honest because if he throws it on second down like he did and the ball doesn't get intercepted, it's either an incomplete or it's a touchdown. If it's an incomplete, now they're at third down with their timeout. It keeps New England honest because New England doesn't know are they going to run it mm-hmm. or are they going to throw it. Mm-hmm. I, you know, so I mean, whatever, whatever. But but here's the thing: at the end of the day, as a Seahawks fan, yes, I'm disappointed because they were so close. They were at the one yard line with a chance to win the game, mm-hmm. and for all intents and purposes, if they had made the touchdown, they would have won, right. which would have been amazing. So, of course, I'm disappointed. But here's the thing. Like, Seattle played a great game. And, it, you know, like, it, it was one of those games for the ages. Mm-hmm. It was one of those games where you go back and, and as a football fan, you're like, that was a great game. New England was up. Then Seattle was up. Then New England was up. And then Seattle had a chance to, to, to take the lead at the very end. And they fell short because of this <laughs> interception. And it's, it's like epic football drama. Right. And again, Seattle played a great game. And you were in the Super Bowl two years in a row. Hello, you won right? The, you won the Super Bowl last year, right? And and the Ducks were in the national championship. Yeah, they were in the national championship game a couple of years ago. Yeah, they've been in big bowls. You know, you know, like for me, a Bengals fan, <laughs> still have the, the longest <laughs> running drought of a playoff win, and the and the, the entire NFL. Yeah. We haven't won a playoff game since 1991. Oh, you're kidding me? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And and that's why I, I put that on Facebook. I said there are 30 other teams in the NFL that would have killed for a chance to be in a game like that. Just to be it. Just be to there. be in the game. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. Seattle wasn't just in the game. 
like they didn't just show up like Denver did last <laughs> year, you know, where they got blown out 43 mm-hmm. to 8. You know, like Seattle didn't just show up. They they actually were in the game. They mm-hmm. competed in the game. They had a shot of winning the game. You know, so you could actually make an argument that, you know, Seattle pretty much did win the game except for that last play, right. <laughs> you know. So on paper they didn't win right. the game. But, you know, you can make an argument that yeah. that Seattle essentially, you know, it's not like New England was obviously the team that won. Mm-hmm. Like New England was not the obvious team that won. Like Seattle very well could have won that game. So, you know, I'm uh, what I'm saying is th- this is what's exciting to me. Seattle is already the heavy favorite to make it back to Super Bowl 50 to to make it to three Super Bowls in a row, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh I mean, now we're starting to talk dynasty. Mm-hmm. Um and I think because of the fact that Seattle lost, um I feel that players are going to be more more determined and they're going to even take less money so that they can stay together mm-hmm. because after you win a Super Bowl, it's funny how it happens. It happened to the Seahawks last year. You win a Super Bowl and, you know, for that first month, you're like, oh, man, it was so great. I love my team. You know, I love this group. I'm never going to go anywhere. And then pretty soon your agent's like, hey, you could be getting a lot right. more money. Yep. And so now you're asking for more money. And now you're on a free agent. And now you're like, well, I'm going to go somewhere where they're going to pay me. Mm-hmm. I think because the Seahawks lost, I think the the core group of the Seahawks are going to be more... Uh, more prone to stay together and take less money just so that they can have another shot at the Super Bowl. That's exactly what I was I was talking to uh, someone about. I said um, I th- sometimes you need those catalytic moments that push you to go back. Like I don't think if the Buckeyes if the Buckeyes had beaten Virginia Tech, I don't think they went out the rest of the season. Yeah, because they played in some really tough close games throughout the rest of the season. And if they didn't have that embarrassing loss driving them to prove themselves for the rest of the game, I don't think they win those games. Yeah, you got to have that motivation because yeah. for the Buckeyes, they're like, if we lose another game, like we're done, right? You know, and and man, they came back. They they had an amazing Big Ten game, mm-hmm. which I really think that Big Ten game where they beat uh, Wisconsin, Wisconsin, right, like fifty-two to zero. What was it? Fifty-nine. Golly, <laughs> man! Against Melvin Gordon, mm-hmm. that game is what made them number four. I think if they had not had that Big Ten game, if it had been a close game and they just barely won it overtime, I think they would have been number five. I think TCU would have Mm -hmm. been number four. Mm -hmm. That game put them in number four, gave them a shot at Alabama. They beat Alabama. They beat Oregon. All the credit to the Buckeyes. Great season. Great season, Buckeyes. So there you have it. There we go. There's football. Uh, (laughs) But I will say it it was hard. It was hard. It was hard. The reason the Seahawks lost is because I decided that now that we're living in Washington, we're going to grow, raise our kids as Seahawks fans. So it was the first game I started rooting for the Seahawks. (laughs) (laughs) It's all your fault. (laughs) So I brought my Bengals curse to the Seahawks. No, how could you? Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. You know, uh, we we had a big party at our house and uh, we ended up having almost 30 people at our house. It was, it was epic epic and uh you know at, at a couple points like people had to leave and stuff and uh you know i've given them a hard time i'm like i'm like man you shouldn't have left if you had stayed they wouldn't you know <laughs> as, as if as if somehow their right. presence actually <laughs> yep it cracks me because some people really believe yeah, that yeah some people legitimately believe that if 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 you leave the game or if you don't wear a special shirt right. or whatever mm-hmm. and i'm like okay let's think about this like Jim from the office wearing the same jersey for like years and years without washing it because if he washed it, they jinx, he'd jinx the team. You, you don't want to jinx the Eagles, yeah. you know? Um, 
and 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 that's the funny thing how some people are are like legitimately into that i mean i just do it as a joke because i think it's funny like no don't leave um but it, it it's it's <laughs> scary when people are actually like really believe that right. um i i for the record i do not believe that my presence controls any sort of outcome of a game that's happening thousands of miles away <laughs> or if you hold your drink in the right hand yeah as opposed to the left hand <laughs> you know <laughs> Oh man. Anyway, it, you know, yeah, uh next season I'm I'm encouraged. I think the Seahawks are going to come back strong. It'll be hard to make it to the Super Bowl. Uh to do that 3 years in mm-hmm. a row is is almost impossible. But if they do it, if they do it, like I said, I mean, Seattle is now on the threshold of being a dynasty. Mm-hmm. Like 3 Super Bowls in a row. Anyway, we'll see what happens. Yeah. All right. So, <laughs> now that we've spent uh, 17 minutes uh, <laughs> talking about that, well, um, one of the things that, that we've talked about often on the podcast is is creativity. And if you've listened to the podcast a long time, we've we've talked about talking about this for a long time. <laughs> There's been like talk of talking. Years and years ago, we talked about how we were uh, maybe going to do a series on creative teams, and we were going to um, spend just a, a few episodes really making... Um, making I don't know, inroads into, you know, your, your worship ministry and helping you build creative teams and do creative things. And we never got around to it. Yeah. But, uh, what, what I did instead was I wrote up a little ebook. Um, and a lot of it, you know, a lot of it is, is kind of, uh, put together from different places, different things I'd already written. And then, but you know, it's probably, it's probably, you know, 40% content that was already written and then 60% new content to, to bring it all together and kind of set it up the right way. But, um, I really believe in creativity. I really, I really believe, and I don't think, um, this is a new, a new belief, but I think we being created in God's image have inherent in our DNA creativity. And a lot of people say they're not creative, but I think what they, what they don't realize is that they are creative. They just aren't looking in the right way or they are not, they're not looking within the way that they were built within their skills, within their strengths, within their giftings to find that creativity. And they don't see what they do as creative when it may be a very creative thing that someone else is envious of their skill to be able to do those things. But I think as the church, you know, the body of Christ, we, we really ought to be the most creative place on the planet because we're all, we've all come together unified by, by the spirit, by one spirit, that creative spirit of Jesus Christ. That's, you know, present through the Holy spirit and this whole body of people then ought to be one of the most creative expressions of God. And that at the same time, a lot of times we kind of fall back on habits and patterns and routines that, that uh, are anything but creative. And so, um, but a lot of, a lot of the passion to write the book came from that we talked about it a while ago. That picture that I found, uh, yeah, of, of all the pho- the photographs, yeah, right? of, and the the density of photographs that have been taken around the world. Yeah, that was fascinating. Why don't you explain uh, uh, explain that photograph a little bit um, for people who haven't seen your book? Yeah, so uh, there's a photograph, and I link to it in the book. Um, actually, I can I can find it because I'm not obviously not going to take credit for the photograph, but um, it's at sitesmap.com. 
there's a photograph that it's like a density map, you know, kind of like, you know, density and population. Yeah. You'll see those density maps. Well, this is about the, the number of pictures that have been taken uh, around the world. And the place that's lit up the most, the place that's lit up the brightest is Europe. Mm-hmm. And it's lit up around all of the, you know, all of the cathedrals, all of the, all of the art that yeah, was created and, and by Italy. the church. I mean, Italy has a ton. Right. Yeah. And, um, and so that was really fascinating to me to see that, you know, what all the stuff that people are taking pictures of was either, was either specifically, um, commissioned by the church to be created or was, uh, created because someone saw what someone else did in the church. Right. So like the church was just kind of really paving the way. And because of that, uh, Frankie Schaefer talks about how whoever controls media controls the culture and the church had its greatest influence over culture during that time uh, because it was it was controlling the media. It was creating the media of the yeah. day. And so um, it really got me thinking about this language that we speak that isn't just our words, but the language of creativity and how each church is planted in a specific culture and that um, there's no way a, a church from the outside or uh, even music from the outside can talk to your culture like you can. Mm. And, um, I, th- I, I really believe that. And I think we, I think we, as, uh, worship leaders, worship pastors, pastors, uh, creative beings in the local community, I think we have a responsibility to learn that culture, to learn that language and to speak it oh. so that we can build influence into the lives of those people. So now before, before we get into the book too much, um, tell me, cause I'm, I'm just personally curious Tell me about the, you know, you, you've shared a little bit about the process of, of writing it, you know, how it was kind of a collection of some thoughts you already had. And, um, but like, how, how long did this take? You know, um, what, what did that look like? Did you just, you know, um, uh, go, did you just kind of lock yourself in a, in a room and just bang it out? Was it over an extended period of time? Well, uh, you know, the idea for the book like I talk about the crockpot in the book, the idea for the book was in the crockpot for a long time. Um, and then, like I said, uh, probably 40, the 40% of the book had already been written over, over the years. Um, so I probably spent about a month finishing up the book. Now it's not a long book, so it's not, you know, it might, it might, you know, I don't know if that sounds impressive or unimpressive, but, um, it's not a long book. So that shouldn't, you know, that shouldn't be overwhelming to anybody who's thinking about writing a book, but you know, I just, once I, once I knew what I wanted to do with it, it was just being disciplined to, to do it, finish it, flesh it out, put all the, put all the, uh, flesh on the bones of the idea. Yeah. And, and, uh, I mean, it's, it's a great book, you know, it's, it's an easy read, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't take you weeks, uh, to read it. Um, you know, uh, I don't think worship pastors would read it if it would. <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's, uh, I wouldn't. It's very it's very conversational in nature. Um, so you know, it, it's not like it's not kind of um, it's not a book where you sit and read and and you're like you know getting lost in it because it's it's so like the language is so uh, over the top and and you know all these like you know what I mean it's nothing like that. Like you read it as if I as if you and I were talking. You know, you you wrote it as if it was a conversation which I think makes it very accessible, um, for, you know, the average person. Thank you. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, I really appreciated the, um, you know, the, 
the practical stuff in there. So the book is kind of broken up into two sections. Mm-hmm. Part one is kind of the uh, the theory, you know, of creativity, kind of the need for creativity. Mm-hmm. And and my biggest takeaway, you know, and, and we've talked a little bit about this on the podcast, but I appreciate how you fleshed it out in that first part, is you, you talked about how <clears throat> all of us are created in the image of God. And by the nature of being created in the image of God, who God is a creative person, We've been, in essence, kind of endowed this ability for us to be creative. And responsibility. And, yeah. You know, and, and the thing is, it's so easy to kind of, you know, to, to kind of abscond that responsibility and, and, and say, oh, well, I'm not a creative person, you know. Um, and, and so, therefore, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to read this. Uh, like I, I, I don't, I don't even know the first thing about being creative. Like I got no creative juices in me and, you know, and, and we kind of abdicate, uh, um, ab- abdicate responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the thing is what you say in there is no, like we are, we are created in God's image. God is creative. Mm-hmm. Um, God has given us creativity because, because God's creative, we're creative, you know? Wait. You remember the show uh, Numbers? Did you ever watch the show Numbers? You know, I watched one or two episodes. Well, in the in the introduction of it, you know, Charlie says, we all use math every day. You know, that's kind of, and that's how they started off the show, yeah. right? But we all use creativity every day. We just don't realize it. Like, you know, you know, you, you know if you're a mom uh, cooking and you decide, well, I'm going to add a little extra salt. That's creativity. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you know, I want a little, or I don't, I don't want as much salt. I want a little more garlic or you know, I'm going to try adding onions into this dish, which if you did that, you're not using creativity, you're using, you know, demonic Torch. possession. Yeah, Dave, Dave uh, so, is not an onion fan. But, you know, <laughs> but you, you know, we use creativity, we just don't acknowledge it as creativity. Now, animals don't do that, right? Right. You know, you don't, you don't find a, a deer out in the woods saying, you know what, I think I'm going to, uh, I think I'm going to eat a bite of onion and a bite of berries and see how that tastes together. Right. You know, that's just not what animals, they're, they were, de- they're designed to function the way that they function. Unless, unless you're Remy from Ratatouille, who has an incredible palate. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, I think, I think a lot of times we um, underestimate our creativity. Yeah, because because we're so used to using it on all the time. Yeah, so you know, so I appreciate it in 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 the first part, you know, which part one is kind of really just the the first third of the book, and you know, and so you talk about kind of the the need uh, for creativity. You know, you look at the density map. You talk about how, um, you, you know, the the church should be the creative driving force. You know, um, and and then. The the part two, which is kind of the the two the last two thirds of the book, is kind of the the main, not the main, but the the bigger section. You know, part two is then the actual like application, mm-hmm. like the actual how do you do it, putting it into practice. You know, yeah. And uh, uh, one of the one of the tips Kevin just gave me, which I really appreciate some feedback, um, is is to to build out the preface a little bit more. So if you're listening to this podcast, it will have already been revised, so this won't even seem like a difference. But um, I have sent the book out to a few people to get their feedback on it. And um, But uh, the second half of the book, a lot, a lot of those are examples of things that I've done to apply creativity to a worship ministry. Um, some of it, uh, there may be one or two examples in there that I didn't do, but I have a friend who did. And so I talked about it. Um, but for the most part, there were all things that I had tried to implement creativity. But, um, I think 
I think like you were, like you were saying, you know, we have, we, we're all creative and we all within our worship ministries, I think we have a desire to be creative. I think yeah. that's just kind of natural to worship, to worship leaders and worship yeah. team members. But, um, looking at something you were saying, looking at implementing or starting something like this, it seems daunting. It seems overwhelming. It, it, yeah, it can be overwhelming, right? Like, like you know, if, if I'm someone who's never really pursued having a creative team, mm-hmm. you know, that's one of the things you talk about, or even the, the, the meeting, you know, and you talk about what the meeting, you know, could look like, you know, where you're planning out 12 weeks. You talk about kind of the rules, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, and, and so if I've never done that, you know, I could look at that and be like, Oh my gosh, like I can't I can't do any I can't do that, right. you know. <laughs> but if you if you just start with one of those or if you just yeah. start with with a piece of it. Yeah. And I think I I think I talk about Jim Collins flywheel in the book. Um Yes, the 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 big stone um, Yeah, the momentum the Yes. And and how it takes yeah, and I thought that was great. You know, the, this concept, what was it, 25 tons or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, it, it takes a lot of energy to get that thing going. Just to get the first time just around. Just to get it around. But then it's almost like there's this natural momentum mm-hmm. that happens. And and like he talks about in the book, I was just uh, reading it a, a couple nights ago. You know, soon the thing is going 5,000, 100,000 rotations per minute. And it's, a, it's an unstoppable thing. And you'll, you know, you'll hardly remember how much effort you put in to get it going around the first time compared to just the, you know, maybe even minimal effort it takes now to keep the thing spinning. Yeah. Great, great analogy. And I think, you know, start it, start with one thing and learn from it, you know, be intentional about it. You know, one of the things I talk about is the, the photographic team, you know, that's, that's a pretty easy one to start with. You get a few photographers together. Yeah, um, take, and, and, and I liked how you framed it. You know, they, they can give them a song, give them a song mm-hmm. that you're going to do and say, take some pictures that relate to the song or have them come to your church events or your functions, mm-hmm. you know? And then, and then, you know, just, you know, meet together once a month, something like that. And, uh, that was really all we did. We met once a month, maybe once every other month. And, um, and we would take pictures, we'd share the pictures into a Flickr group and, and we'd critique one another's pictures and kind of encourage one another with photography. And we were all taking pictures outside of the church and in the church and, and it just, you know, it, it got momentum going to, uh, to the point where, um, even though I'm not in that church or in that group anymore, they're still posting pictures in that group. You know? That's cool. And so that you know that was just that was one way to get the flywheel going. And I think um, you do that once, and then you you'll pick up principles that you can apply to songwriting, or principles that you can apply to creative stage designs, and use the resources that are out there that we've talked about with Jonathan Malm and yeah. those things. You know, there's lots of <clears throat> lots of ways you can get the flywheel going. So, so there was one, there was one part in your book that, um, that I didn't totally agree with. Um, and not that it was not that it's bad or not that you're right and I'm wrong or I'm right and you're wrong. But there was one section where, um, uh, I, I think it was in this, the section of, uh, taking risks, which I agree with. So, so I'm, I'm on board with that. You know, I, I like the idea. You got to take risks. Sometimes you fail. Um, but you know, you, you, you can't, you can't just, you know, stay comfortable, you know, you can't stay complacent. But there, there was one section. I think it was there where you talked about, you know, why, why, why is it that the church is is always, um, you know, uh, basically duplicating what other people are doing, you know, and how that, you know, that's not really creative, and and so my disagreement there is, for me, I I personally find a lot of times, um, if, if I get an idea from someone, whether I'm watching like a video of what a worship team has done, you know. Or if I'm looking at stage designs, you know, ideas like like I I'll 
um, not copy that idea, but I'm like, we can do that, you know, and, and for me, it actually gets me excited and it gives me a little bit momentum. And I think in your book, I can't remember the exact language you use, but, uh, but you kind of, you kind of talked about how, you know, uh, by, by doing that, you know, we're just all becoming the same and we're actually losing creativity. You know, when every church becomes the same, uh, we, we lose that creative edge of the church. But I think me personally, my, my opinion here, I should think that it can, it, it can be a, a catalyst almost you know, like we were talking before we, we recorded about, you know, you have that check-in system for your kids. And I'm like, wow, that's something we've been wanting to do, you know. And so, in essence, I'm kind of copying it, but it's going to help us in the long run. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I, I think I said it in the book, and I can't remember if I said it. Um, you know, I, th- I think you're exactly right that... Um, that those that they can they can serve to inspire us mm. to be creative in our environment, but if we're if our only goal is to exactly replicate what they did, yeah. that's not creativity. Yeah. So like you know, take North Point for example, Andy Stanley's church, and uh, two or three Christmases ago, you know, uh, the Garage Band on iPad was kind of a new thing, so they played Christmas carols all on iPad. Right, right. right. Well, if I just take that uh, that idea from North Point and then do the exact same thing in my church, that's not creativity. Mm. That's just plagiarism, basically. You know, that's <laughs> stealing the idea and using it. And you know, and they don't have a problem with that. There's not really anything wrong with that. But that's not you know, we that's not creativity. Creativity is saying, hey, North Point uh, did this cool thing with the iPad. Uh, what if we tried? You know, what if we've got this app? What if we try this with? Uh, with art and we put our, you know, we put, um, we put all of our screens up, all of our individual iPads up on the screen and we kind of all draw different pieces. And then at the end we put, you know, put Mm -hmm. it all together. Well, that's, you know, that's using what they did as a catalyst to be creative in my environment as opposed to just ripping it off. But I think you're uh, 100% right. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, no, and, 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 uh, Right. And, and thanks for clarifying that, you know, maybe when I read that, I, I, I read it too, too strongly on the, the one end or whatever. Well, and if it's not in there, I should put, put it yeah. in there to make it more clear. Yeah. But no, I mean, overall, you know, I, I would really encourage, um, you, and you're going to make this ebook available for, yep. for free, right? Yeah, it's free. It's always going to be free. Wow. And that's awesome. And, and you put that in there, you know, you, you put, I think in the preface or the intro or whatever you put, you know, um, Hey, you know, like I, I just want to make this as a resource. I think that's really cool. Like, you know, I, I, I just want to, you know, personally and publicly applaud you for, for, you know, doing that. I mean, you, you put some time, you know, you put some work, you put some effort into making this and, you know, you're not trying to make money off of it. You, you want to just have it be accessible. And, you know, after reading it, which I mean, it didn't, you know, again, it didn't take me terribly long to read it. Like I read it over the course of a couple of days, um, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there. And, it's very readable. It's very accessible. Um, it, it there's some really good stuff in there. It's conversational. Uh, it's fun to read. It's engaging. Um, and I would really recommend. I mean, seriously, everyone who's listening to this, like, there's no reason not to just download a copy and just you know take take a few hours here and there and read it. And you know, I mean, I I I got some good stuff in there. There's some practical things. There's some theoretical stuff. Um, so great job, man. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think the idea, and it's not that, you know, I say in the book, a lot of these are things I've learned from other worship leaders and worship pastors. It's not all exclusive content to me. Tried to give credit where I could remember where to give credit, you know, Yeah. but, uh, you know, I think, I think the idea is important enough that we, we just need to spread it. It just needs to be out there. It needs to be a resource that there is no hindrance 
uh, for anyone. There's no excuse to not to not go through it and read it because you know it's like it's short and it's free. Yeah. And so you know, um, and I know people will say, well, if if you don't you know if you don't make people pay for it, then they won't value it, so they won't read it. They'll download it and never actually go through it. Yeah, maybe, but you know, maybe not. Maybe yeah. they'll maybe they'll read it and maybe. Um, if it wasn't free, they would never download it. And so at least it wouldn't, it wouldn't even be on their computer for them to come back to once at some point in time when they're going yep. through all their stuff on the desktop to clear off, you know? <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So anyway, it'll be, it'll be, um, I'll put a link to it in this, in the show notes for this podcast episode. So you can, you can go find it there. Um, there are some other, some other places that have, have agreed to share it with their audience. And so, you might hear about it through uh, some other places like We Are Worship, and um, you know, I don't want to put other guys on the spot that maybe maybe have agreed, but I can't remember if they've agreed. So, <laughs> um, but anyway, you'll you'll hear about it probably, and you know, just read it. You know, don't if if you don't agree, you don't agree. I'm not, you're not gonna hurt my feelings. You know, <laughs> but if it serves as a catalyst, which has been the whole goal of what we do, yeah, to get you to move on, take take another step forward then it was worth it for me. Cool. If one church does it, I think it's worth it for me. There you go. Nice. All right. Well, that's all the time we have. We have got to, uh, got to hang it up for this episode so we can get ready for the next uh, episode interviewing Catherine Scott. So, um, if you want to get in touch with us, you can go find us online. By the way, we haven't, we haven't talked about this at all. We should throw it in really quick at the end of this podcast. Here we go. We're, we're bringing on some contributors to the blog. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, uh, so make sure you're checking out worshipministrycatalyst.com because there are going to be other worship leaders just like you serving in churches in the trenches all the time. We're going to be talking about their experience and what they're learning and sharing it with our with our blog audience. So make sure you're, you're going over and checking that out. In the future, we're going to have a, uh, a roundtable with all of the contributors and get them all together uh, and talk about, about worship and kind of introduce everybody. But so make sure you're checking it out. We, uh, will be having some posts coming up in very new, near future, including Kevin hey. sharing some blog posts. Uh, Josh Ferris will be, uh, will be on there and, uh, uh, some other guys from literally around the world, which is, which is awesome. I love. And so make sure you're checking out the blog, worshipministrycatalyst.com, staying up to date on that. Like us on facebook.com slash, uh, worshipministrycatalyst. Follow us on twitter.com slash wmcatalyst. Um, you can, Send an email to me at david at worshipministrycatalyst.com or, or kevin at worshipministrycatalyst.com. And as always, you can leave a voicemail, 360-818-4339. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye.